Hello, everyone, and welcome to Strictly JoJo, a podcast dedicated to JoJo's bizarre adventure. My name is Courtney. This is episode 63, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Foo Fighters, The Witness. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode on anything that's happened in the JoJo anime. This is a misleading title. We talked about this last time where the title fit the episode pretty well, just not in an obvious way. Mm-hmm. Here we have a title that's a, like not entirely misleading, but it really only focuses on like the very last part of the episode. Well, I think there's double meaning in it. I mean, yeah, it has Foo Fighters uh, at the front of the title, but like in terms of the witness, you could say uh, with Anasu and Jolene, it was them realizing that they have to, I guess, not witness what... <laughs> what um yo yo ma's doing for them to figure out his his stand powers and then yeah of course at the end with foo fighters being a witness to finding out who white snake's true stand user is and i have to say i think foo fighters has had three episode titles centered around her name so far yeah but she also has the shortest amount of screen time of everybody well i don't know actually because on on a doesn't come in until halfway through the show but Foo Fighters, you know, her her days are numbered. Yeah, I was going to say, like... <laughs> As we know. <laughs> you know, there's, like, a superstition about saying certain names three times that leads to something ominous. I've never heard that. You know, like, what... You know, it's, like, spooky season right now. But, like, oh. if you look in the mirror and you say, what, Bloody Mary... Three times. Yeah. Or Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Right. Well, <laughs> now he's going to appear. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> now, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of funny with Foo Fighters. Again, the t- there are three episode so far with her name in the title and in a couple episodes we're gonna see something ominous that happens to her so and the localized title for this episode is ff the witness you know always gonna mention the the localized title for these episodes um but a few things we want to mention before we dive into this particular episode a, cu- a couple of exciting things do we want to start with the jojo news or do we want to start with like our news yeah let's start with jojo news because it's not anything significant but i guess interesting for anyone who wants to read it um the website jojo news just came out with an exclusive interview with an animator on stone ocean by the name of yuki kikuchi uh it says here that they're a freelance animator who worked as an animation director for stone ocean as well as a key animator for certain episodes uh what's interesting is that he was actually the animation director for this episode, episode 20. So it kind of goes in line with today's review episode. And the article doesn't touch upon anything specifically with, I guess, the animation process for Stone Ocean. It's more so, I guess, the animator himself, like his interest with working on JoJo, like the characters that he likes, his favorite parts. So... Uh, just a little more of a personal insight into this um, animator's life, I guess. Uh, so if you're interested, we will share a link to this in the Discord. So definitely check it out if you are or are not already a member of our Discord. In personal news, I don't personal news sounds weird, but news related to us, um, we are 
going to Japan finally. <laughs> oh I said that my weird, but God. <laughs> but yes, we are finally going to Japan. Um, for those who may not be familiar, um, a little bit of context: we were supposed to go to the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. That didn't pan out because of the pandemic. They didn't allow spectators, um, so they refunded all of our event tickets, and then we had to cancel our flights in our hotel. Um, you know, it, it is what it is, and we just said we're going to wait until we're able to travel to Japan again. And if you've been following, I guess, like Japan news, um, they did announce, the government announced that they would be lifting all of, rest- all of the restrictions for travelers, um, foreign travelers into Japan. So we booked our tickets like days after they announced that. And we have been waiting for so long that we had like, you know, a lot of like points and like credits saved up from our Tokyo Olympics uh, trip that we were like, let's just do it. It's it's all it's all here. It's all ready to go. We just have to book it and pick some dates. So yeah, we are leaving in uh, mid-November and coming back early December. We'll be there for about a week and a half. And we are so excited to be back in Japan. Yeah, to quote a particular JoJo character, I'll never forgive the Japanese for making us wait so long to, <laughs> to for their borders to open. But you know, I am very excited to return to the promised land um, and just dabble in all things Japanese culture, anime culture. Uh, I think related to JoJo specifically, we are eager to try out two JoJo spots um, in the country. I think the most convenient one being in Tokyo would be, uh, was it Bardio? Yeah, Bardio, which is kind of like a hidden bar that's JoJo's Bizarre Adventure themed. All of the drinks on the menu, I think it's all broken down by JoJo parts. And then the drinks are named after different characters and stands and iconic locations and moments from the show. And then in Osaka? Yeah, there's in Osaka, if we make it out there, there is a ramen shop that is decked out in jojo regalia because i think the the owner of the shop is a big jojo fan uh so i i don't know if like there are certain ramen in there that are named after jojo characters or jojo parts but getting to see his collection of memorabilia i think would be exciting to see so if we ever make it to either of those jojo locales we'll we'll definitely let you guys know One thing we're kind of bummed about, though, is the 10th anniversary JoJo collab with the Tokyo Skytree will have ended by the time we're in Japan. But if we find anything else JoJo related, we'll definitely keep you guys updated. So if you're um, not a member of the the Discord, again, definitely join because we're going to do our best to post pictures and videos and share, you know, cool anime and JoJo related stuff from our trip while we're over there in Japan. And the last piece of news for today, it's not necessarily JoJo related, but I guess it is in regards to a very special JoJo fan. Because by the time this episode releases, it will have been Courtney's birthday. So happy birthday to you. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I think this is releasing one day after my birthday. So yeah, thank you. I can't believe... Another year has gone by. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think like after you turn 30, the the birthdays start to become less like uh like significant. Less exciting. Yeah. Uh, but it's I mean, still, still something excited. to celebrate. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still excited and um we're getting some friends together and it'll be a good time. Um but I 
I do want to take some time while we're in Japan to do like a belated birthday thing. So maybe we'll go mm -hmm. out to like a fun dinner or something, or maybe I'll just use it as an excuse to buy a lot of anime figures while we're there. <laughs> or, you know, we could go to a restaurant that has Kobe beef and, and try that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but yes, thank you. Thank you so much. All right, let's talk about Yo-Yo Ma and this episode. Yo-Yo Ma. Speaking of Yo-Yo Ma, right off the bat, um, I just wanted to say, because I think you had mentioned this to me, isn't Yo-Yo Ma's voice actor the same as Shigechi's from part four? Yeah, I think I, uh, I mentioned that last episode. And it <laughs> it's it's less of that, like, ke -ke -ke sound, but you can hear his the same inflection. She, 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 she. Yeah. I know. I wish you brought that back as Yo-Yo Ma. That would have been great. Um, but it's a perfect fit for Yo-Yo Ma because Shigechi was kind of annoying. <laughs> like, I know, I still love Shigechi. They're but both annoying he was kind characters. Of, well, that's, that's <laughs> what I mean. Like, the, you know, Shigechi was kind of annoying. So the, his, this voice actor or this voice fits for Yo-Yo Ma because he's also very annoying. But overall, I think this episode, um, we talked last time about how the previous episode was more of a transitional episode, setting us up for what's transpiring here with Yo-Yo Ma. I cannot say that fast, by the way. Yo-Yo Ma, Anasui, and Jolene. And um, I, I think this episode is a great blend of like high intensity moments, a lot of suspense with some really good humor because... Yo-Yo Ma is a really goofy stand, um, like really goofy. And then, of course, Anasui has his goofy moments anytime there's the chance that Jolene may be showing him some affection. So I, I really enjoyed the blend of moments that we had in this episode. But what, what did you think? I thought this episode had exactly what Anasui wants, which is just some alone time with Jolene despite Yo-Yo Ma being there as like a, a creepy third wheel. But along the lines of what you said, it, I guess you kind of have to decide who's creepier in this episode. Is it Yo-Yo Ma or is it Anasui? Because of all of his <laughs> like sexual advances towards Jolene, who, who can't properly speak in the middle of the episode. Uh, but I think the more interesting or more significant part of this episode is towards the end where the episode title comes into play when Poochie once again rears his ugly head and sets up the next very climactic chain of events. Uh, so I know majority of this episode is just focused on Yo-Yo Ma and how Jolie and Anasui try to take him down, but the ending with Foo Fighters and Poochie, I feel it's it takes a lot more importance in the overall plot of Stone Ocean Part 2. But all right, JoJo fans, it's time to hold your hole-filled tongues as we diver down into our synopsis and discussion for Part 6, Episode 20, Foo Fighters, The Witness. Well on their way into the wetlands, the law-breaking lovebirds do their best to avoid detection from the prison guards despite the Bayou Boogeyman's insistent idiocy. Jolene suddenly has a case of Little Mermaid laryngitis due to some pesky mosquitoes carrying the Boogeyman's acidic stand power, but Hisokasui is smart enough to play her game of charades to know the enemy stand's true intent. With Diver Down's help, he gets the Bayou Boogeyman to croak by infusing its brain with that of Karopi's cousin. Back at Ultra Security Weenie Hut Juniors, Foo Fighters prepares to take down the Bayou Boogeyman's Roman soldier cosplaying stand user 
when Puchigang shows up to investigate the ruckus and celebrates the imminent second coming of his malevolent messiah. The rabid reverend then reveals himself during Foo Fighters' attempted ambulance assassination, leaving our plankton prisoner in a precarious position. Kill the one antagonist who is the singular catalyst for everything terrible happening in this godforsaken prison, or kill the guy with the funny helmet. Quite a difficult decision to make. And now into our next segment of the show is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion. And I don't think there are any new references in this episode. So that is the end of this segment. Oh, well, I guess now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. And I don't think there are any, so that ends the segment. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, okay, so really quick, I, I think a lot of why we're not finding a ton of JoJo memes for part six, and I've said before, oh, it's because part six is still new and they're still kind of coming out with them, like the, the community is still coming up with them. But if you think back to like part five, because I was a JoJo fan like the tail end of part five's premiere. And there were a shitload of memes that came out of that. I think part of it is just like the hype has not been what it should be for part six. And mm. we've talked extensively about why that is, but I think the lack of hype and the lack of a sense of community because it's not airing weekly and we can't talk about it weekly. I think that's making some of the meme potential flounder a little bit. It's not to say that memes don't exist for part six. It's just, they're not coming out as quickly and as abundantly as previous parts. So I think it's going to be some time, like over time, part six memes will start to surface and we'll have some really good ones, but it's just not going to be the immediate meme set that we have seen in the past. So we'll do our best. We'll keep an eye out as always, but there's probably going to be most episodes where there aren't any part six specific memes. So we have a, a quick recap at the beginning of this episode and then jumps right into what happened with Foo Fighters and her face melting off. And Foo Fighters plays it smart. Instead of running back to Jolene and trying to take out the stand, she instead decides to go ahead and find the stand user because she realizes that in the previous episode, her shots that she fired at Yoyoma that hit Yoyoma in the head didn't work. It completely didn't phase him at all because he is an auto stand. I don't remember, okay, so let me take a step back. I don't remember other auto stands that couldn't be finished by shooting them in the head. I always thought that even auto stands, if you, you know, kill the auto stand, then you kill the stand user, right? Mm -hmm. Or am I like forgetting something, but like here you have Yo-Yo Ma where you can't kill him because he's an auto stand, you have to kill the stand user. So I need to go back to some of the previous auto stands and see how they were defeated. But either way, in the case of Yo-Yo-Ma, I cannot say Yo-Yo-Ma, <laughs> in Yo-Mama, um, it, it seems like nothing works against it until you get to Dolce & Gabbana. But in the towards the end of the episode, Foo Fighters does say the trade-off here with auto stands is that the stand user, like while the stand itself is seemingly invincible the stand user is defenseless because you can't quite like call back your stand or use it in defense of an enemy so that leaves Dolce and Gabbana again completely useless completely defenseless which is why he's been hiding this entire time he didn't want to make himself known because once he does he can't do anything to stop Jolene and the gang from defeating him 
I mean, that's a useful stand ability. <laughs> just just stay alive so that your stand can take care of whatever target you have. But the weird thing is, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. The weird thing is, Anasui knows about Dolce & Gabbana, or DNG. He he says later in the episode that, um, I think when he defeats Yo-Yo Ma, he says something like, um, you know, we have to find... Dolce and Gabbana. Like he defeats Yoyama by incapacitating the stand, not by getting rid of it through, you know, connecting the frog brain to its brain. But he says we can't actually get rid of it until we defeat Dolce and Gabbana or DNG. So he he knows that DNG exists. So I think that explains the previous episode where he sent Guccio um, out as a human trap toward Dolce and Gabbana. So I keep saying the full name, but it's it's technically DNG. It's DNG. Um where he sent Guccio out towards DNG um, as, again, as a human trap just to kind of get to him. Um, I just, it, it's it's weird that after Anasui does that and they leave the facility, it's weird that at that point Anasui doesn't tell Foo, Foo Fighters, you need to find DNG. DNG is the stand user. He just says, go ahead and find the stand user, kill it so that, the stand, this auto stand disappears, right? Like she, he doesn't mention anything about DNG to to Foo Fighters. I don't even think DNG's name is mentioned at all in these two episodes that we've seen. So that it just makes me wonder how did Anasu even know his name? Well, yeah, it's mentioned in this episode, but yeah, he he calls DNG by name, so he knew exactly. He knew not only um, who the stand user was, like in general, but knew specifically who this person is. So again, I understand in the previous episode that he didn't want to alert DNG to the fact that they knew he was around. He wanted to use Guccio as a hidden trap and get to DNG because DNG is just lurking behind the corner watching them. But once they've left the facility, why at that point didn't Anasui say, hey, Foo Fighters, the person you're looking for is DNG. Here's what he looks like. Here's who you need to, to kill in order to get rid of this auto stand. So that's one thing about Anasui I'm not quite sure about. Or did Yoyoma mention that his stand user's name in the previous episode? Uh, Sorry, I'm, I don't I'm reading, remember. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading a synopsis online that says Yoyoma tells the group about DNG. Specifically by name? I I don't I don't remember and. You know, we could pull up the episode and, and see, but that that's going to just take some time. So Yeah. Well, either way, it was kind of a weird thing that Anasui knew that information. So if that's the case, if he didn't learn about DNG until Yo-Yo Ma revealed it after they parted ways with Foo Fighters, that makes sense. But if Anasui knew ahead of time, I don't know why he didn't say anything. So the trio, Yo-Yo Ma, Jolene, and Anasui head out on the, what are those like swamp boats called? both that they're riding on there's a name for it uh, there's like oh shit i've been on one of them before what is it called didn't we talk about this before too an airboat it's called airboat? An airboat yeah it's called an airboat what? i thought it was called like swamp boat okay <laughs> it's an airboat <laughs> yeah airboat I, I see now on google so they travel on the airboat to try and find the Try, what are they even trying to do? They're just trying to, <laughs> they're trying get, to get away. <laughs> yeah, they're trying to get as far away from the prison as possible. Uh, so they don't get caught. or Well, because of the baby, the, the the green baby. They're trying to they get away. Keep away from Poochie. 
Okay. Or that's... not Poochie, but like White Snake, and then they find out later it's Poochie. Okay, right. Thank you for the reminder. I was like, why are they even doing what they're doing? <laughs> um, so they're trying to hide from the two guard boats, the two guard air boats that are looking for them. And <laughs> Yo-Yo Ma suggests that they weave leaves from branches on the trees and cover the boat and then cover their face in mud. But here's what I don't buy. The the guards had already seen the um, the ripples in the water from their boat moving Ripple. around. Yeah, <laughs> their hamon ripples in the water from the boat moving around and had already turned toward them and were making their way to their location. The time it would have taken to weave all of those leaves together and paint their faces, it would have taken the guards a matter of like minutes, mere minutes to catch up to where they were. Not even minutes. I would say seconds. Yeah, like maybe like 30 seconds to a minute. These airboats probably travel fast. Yeah, and even though they're going at a slow pace, it didn't seem like they were that far away from Anasui and Jolene's location. And yet when they get there, they're like painted. They have all these leaves like weaved together. And I'm like, that's there's no way. That is definitely a JoJo logic moment because the time it would have taken – it's like, again, Jonathan and Dio falling through that flaming tower while they're fighting in part one. It just it doesn't add up. There's also no way that the guards didn't immediately spot their camouflage position because they're not hiding. You see the shot of the, the guards' boat passing by them while they're covered in leaves. They're just staring at them out in the open, right? Uh, like... And I love, like, Jolene has this very, like, blunt face as Yo-Yo Ma's painting her face with the, the tree sap and, and putting the leaves on. It's it's sort of like what, like, what the fuck are you doing, but do it anyways face. And then she has that same face as they're watching the guards pass by. But, yeah, like, anyone with eyes could see that it's just these people that have kind of covered their face in camouflage but they're just looking at you yeah it was kind of ridiculous like it was the most um minimal disguise they could have ever put together in the short amount of time that they had but again jojo logic i guess the guards are really that brain dead where they could not see i mean they were right fucking next to them Mm -hmm. because when they when they turn their airboats around it's not until they propel themselves that their fans blow all the leaves off of them. Like, you were so close to them. How did you not see? And throughout this whole uh, part of the episode, when they're trying to hide, Anasui is freaking out at every noise that Yo-Yo Ma makes. Um, the splashing of the boat, the uh, the engine's still running. Like, he's freaking out and tell me, telling him to shut up. But then it's not until the guards find them and are pointing their machine guns at them, which, by the way, honestly, described earlier than that, um, that these machine guns are so powerful that even a graze from the bullet would rip their limbs off, right? So these are some powerful Mm -hmm. ass machine guns. But it's not until these guards have them pointed at Anasui that his calmness kicks in. He's like, don't worry about it, Jolene. Let them shoot up our boat. We're just going to take theirs. And he's literally standing in the water, staring these guards dead ass in the face with a machine gun barrel right in front of him saying, I'm going to take your boat. (laughs) Like, what is going on, Anasui? Like, when you're trying to hide, you panic like crazy. But when you're caught, then you're like, it's okay, guys. I got it. 
And because he's trying to make himself look impressive in front of Jolene. Um, the other thing that was like, you mentioned these machine guns are powerful and they hit the boat, but they just miraculously don't hit either Anasui or Jolene. It's like, do these guards have the aim of a, a stormtrooper from Star Wars? <laughs> well, I don't think they were trying to hit them. I think they were trying to in- incapacitate the boat so they couldn't get away because they needed to capture them. I'm sure they needed mm. to an- like they needed answers to what the fuck happened in the ultra security house or whatever. So they probably weren't trying to kill them. Yeah, but how accurate can you be with a machine gun to not hit somebody? Right, but I guess at that distance, you could probably be pretty accurate. Because they're pretty close to them. So it just mm. if the barrel's pointing right at the boat, then you're probably going to hit the boat. Or just like trying to control the recoil of a machine gun, too. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Judge of logic all up and down this episode, I guess. <laughs> um, we also talked in the last episode about the plants from the Green Child. And we thought that that had wrapped up and suddenly it just wasn't a thing anymore when Jolene and the gang escaped the um ultra security house unit i hope i'm saying that correctly but here honestly mentions that it could still be a threat to jolene he asks her do you feel the plants still growing um and we should continue to head east because the sun is going down that way you aren't impacted so i think it was more so in the previous episode them getting out of the sunlight and being in the shade um and the coverage of the side of the building that's what stops Jolene's plants from growing versus like the the plants just not being a thing anymore. Because I think as the green child is still there, technically the plants are still a threat to her. So it's not until the the, uh, the resurrection later on that maybe that's when the green baby's abilities when stop. it fuses with Poochie. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Spoilers, but <laughs> we'll have to see. Well, I mean, we've already seen that. I mean, Everything yeah. that's yeah. happened in the anime is fair no, game. Yeah, right. uh, <laughs> um, so we'll have to see if between now and when Poochie gets the green child, if Jolene steps into the sunlight and has plants grow or not. I mean, I think that whole fight still takes place in the evening. So, the, Oh yeah, that's right. And the yeah. weather report drums up a storm. Yes. So yeah, I guess there is no sunlight. (laughs) So problem solved. (laughs) After they get rid of the guards, that's when the real threat comes through for Yo-Yo Ma. When suddenly Jolene starts forming holes in her body and all of that shit. And not her body, it was her tongue, wasn't it? Yeah, it started in her mouth. I mean, technically she could get them anywhere, but yeah, it started in her mouth and she starts gasping for air. And honestly, hearing her gasp for air, it, both the first time I watched the episode and this time, I couldn't breathe. You know, like when you watch something and like a character's drowning and you just feel yourself tensing up and you feel yourself, even though you are breathing, it's almost like you you can't breathe. That's what it felt like listening to her gasp for air. I was also wondering during this part, why isn't Jolene using her threads to spell out words for Anasui? I was about Which to say the same she thing. She does later. She, she spells out like a very cryptic message for Anasui, but I think he gets it because he's a pretty percep- perceptive dude. But why didn't, you do, why didn't you use it sooner? I mean, granted, it made for a really hilarious exchange because 
yet again, Anasui being the perceptive character that he is, he loses that ability when it comes to Jolene and her possibly liking him back. Uh, so we see him kind of go in for a kiss and fucking wiggles his tongue because he's misreading the motions that Jolene is doing when she's trying to get him to see the holes in her mouth. He thinks it's her wanting a kiss. And then when she's trying to focus his attention on the stand by turning his head, he's like, do you want to kiss me? Do you not want to kiss me? Is this some kind of kink? I just loved it so much. I just thought it was such a funny moment in the middle of yet again, like a high intensity enemy stand user fight, I guess you could call it. But it's Anasui being Anasui because he just really wants to be with Jolene. How dense can you be, though? (laughs) I know. He is so smart. Like, Anasui is incredibly smart. He's probably the most perceptive and aware character of the entire JoJo gang in part six. But... Yeah, when it comes to Jolene, his brain just turns off. No, that's that's your <laughs> your dick talking. Yeah, well, basically. <laughs> and the, not only that, like you still have a, an enemy stand threat in your presence. So, like, why would you take a moment to to um feed your your kink with, with Jolene instead <laughs> of figuring out how do we get rid of the stand use? I mean, it does lead into that, but you know, like Jolene. Had, didn't have time for this shit and then that's when like she has to use stone free to spell it out for him although i will say um i know it's only been like literally half a day that jolene's known anasui like she technically met him back when she first went to emporio's room but like not really so they've only known each other for like half a day at this point but she's pretty tolerant of him she doesn't seem to get weirded out by what he does and instead sort of just like focuses on trying to get him to understand the only time she has gotten weirded out by him is when he sniffed her mouth in the last episode so i again like i think she's pretty tolerant of him but i think it's because she's so focused on her goal of defeating poochie and saving her father yeah, tolerates him. <laughs> hey, I mean, you only know someone half a day. I think that's the the best you can get given the situation. <laughs> so then Jolene starts to speculate like what the fuck could be going on here. And she thinks at first that it's the mosquitoes that Yo-Yo Ma releases from his mouth. I don't get the point of the mosquitoes because it doesn't really throw her off of the trail for that long. And when he does release them the couple of times, they just bite her skin like a normal mosquito and then that's it. So it's that Yo-Yo Ma infused some of his acid into the mosquitoes and then the mosquitoes injected that into her. Is that how it got into her mouth because they bit yes, her neck? Oh, yeah. okay. I don't know how Yo-Yo Ma would have put his acid into the mosquitoes, but... Well, they probably, maybe they sucked his, not just his blood, but maybe they sucked his saliva. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Um, but yeah, it, basically the, the easiest way to describe Yo-Yo Ma's attack power is he's playing red light, green light with them. And he just <laughs> tries to find any way to get his spit onto their bodies. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when he was like talking to Jolene from behind, um, he started to reach into his crotch to look for his frog hide. But when he did that, I thought he was going to whip his dick out or something. Yeah, because he, he was like it... in his loincloth and like digging around mm-hmm. in his like crotch area. <laughs> and he was saying his name, Yo Yo Ma. Like, yeah, so I was like, oh my God, what's it doing? <laughs> like, Jolene is being used as an object by both of these characters. <laughs> but he, he wasn't. He was just talking randomly about, 
I don't I don't even remember his conversation about frog high. Like it, it's practical sense, but it's trying. He's saying like, or the the stand was saying that you could turn it into a skirt or something. Yeah. But either way, um, I don't think stands have dicks. So I mean, maybe there's probably well, they're he probably he's in this episode. But does he later. have a dick? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why he pees. That, that, or I keep saying he, but it. I know we always call Stans it. Um, I don't know why it pees. That is weird. That is really weird, actually, because Stans don't... I was about to say have Stans don't di- eat, but you have sex pistols, which do eat. Yeah, yeah. Fuck, I don't know, man. I don't know what <laughs> do kind of... Do Stans have digestive systems? I don't know what kind of biological <laughs> functions Stans have. Because you think about Star Platinum and, like, I doubt Star Platinum has to piss, right, or take a shit. Mm-hmm. But it also like probably doesn't have a dick, even though it has a loincloth over it. But maybe it does have a dick. Maybe there's a dick behind there we just don't know about. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Yo Yo Ma was freaking me out when it was reaching in its crotchular region. But it was just a frog hide. No worries, everybody. <laughs> um, but then finally, Jolene uses her thread to spell out a warning to Anasui. It said, be all eyes or something like that. And I'm like... Yeah, you could have some poetic, cryptic message to Anasui, but if it were me, I would literally just spell out, the stand is attacking me with its spit. Like, just something mm-hmm. very blatant, especially after Anasui was not being as perceptive as he should have been when she was trying to get his attention in the previous moments. Yeah, but BLIs sounds, again, it sounds more poetic. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I also wonder... Why can't Jolene and Anasui use their sp- their stands to speak telepathically? Because we have seen this before, and we have confirmation of it in part three. When oh, right. I think when the it the Jolbros are underwater or something. No, uh, that and wasn't it like Jotaro was speaking to the uh, the one guy underwater. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, Jotaro versus the, the captain. Oh, God, yeah, the captain, Captain Crunch, whatever the fuck his name was. Um. And one of the two of them said, we could speak to each other through our stands. Araki forgot. I know. Because when Jolene <laughs> went to go reach for Anasui's face and cover his eyes, I thought she was actually going to start talking to him like telepathically with their stands. But that's not the case at all. So I don't know. Maybe they don't realize they can do it, but they can do it technically because Araki made it a rule in part three. Araki has rules. <laughs> no, we talked about him, that in the Discord. Um, and then we have the stand stats for this episode, which is actually Diver Down. We haven't got him, their stand stats in this second core yet. Really? But, this is the first time we're seeing Diver Down? At least in the second Yeah. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, honestly, he wasn't in the first core. So, Correct. Um, I think we've had all of the, like, we've had, um, what do you call it? Encore stands from like Aramaz and Foo Fighters. And then most of the stand stats have been the enemy stands that the prison posse has faced. But now we have the proper stand stats for Diver Down, which include destructive power at A, speed at A, range at E, durability at C, precision and accuracy at B, and development potential at B. And I think it's very clear in this eye catch that Diver Down does look like a Scuba Steve because it does have the kind of scuba tanks attached to its back. Yes. Again, now I notice it thanks to Jesse James calling it out in our Discord. And again, I I really didn't notice. When I read the manga, when I started watching the first parts of the second core, I didn't fucking notice that Diver Down looked like a scuba diver. But now I do know. 
Let's talk a little bit about Yo-Yo Ma's spit and the potential ways that it's getting sprayed around because I'm confused. I think the when Jolene is speculating the different ways that Yo-Yo Ma could be attacking them, she says the mosquitoes. She, I think somebody also says like the wind is spraying around the spit, but I don't understand how that's possible because if you think about the airboat and where everybody's standing, you've got Jolene and Anasui at the front of the boat. You have um, Yo-Yo Ma in the middle of the boat, and then you have the fan propeller in the back of the boat. If I understand wind physics well enough, the fan is running, but it's sucking in air from the section that the three of them are standing in and propelling it out the back of the boat, meaning there's no wind being pushed towards Anasui and Jolene. And then to add to, add to that, you also have the wind coming from the front of the boat because of the direction that the boat is heading. So you've got two sources of wind pulling away from Anasui and Jolene, away from Yo-Yo Ma. So it's, it doesn't quite make sense to me that the fan is f- making Yo-Yo Ma's spit fly around everywhere. But then I think Jolene realizes that that's not actually the strategy the stand is using. She then says it's actually the water around them containing the stand spit and when it gets splashed around that's how they're getting hit with it and getting holes in their body but you brought up a good point when we were talking about this episode before recording that that's a lot of water for a tiny amount of spit yeah because yo-yo ma would have had to spit an exorbitant amount of saliva into the water for that to happen because i would think it's kind of like pee right when you pee in the water it disperses. <laughs> I know people have peed at like like a beaches or a pool or whatever. Uh, like it, it disperses away pretty pretty immediately because because of all the water surrounding you. So, I, I it have to be like this. These wetlands would have to have filled up with yo-yo ma spit for it to splash up in like so much so many chunks. I guess and. Yo-Yo Ma is drooling all the time, I know, but when would it have a chance to like dump all of that spit into the water? And then on top of that, again, if you think about the physics behind this, as the boat is moving forward, the water is pushing back behind them. Mm-hmm. So, it, And if he's standing behind Anasui and Jolene, he would technically have to get spit into the water in front of them in order for that spit to come propelling towards them as the boat's moving forward. Again, unless the water is so saturated with the spit that any moment, any amount of water splashing up in any direction would cause them to have holes form in their body. So I am confused. I am just very confused here about how it's getting its spit onto them. I think a more logical way is just to say when it talks a lot, because it's constantly talking, Whenever it talks, it just spits everywhere. Like, you know, like somebody who just like sprays spit um, when they're talking. Like that would be a more logical assumption than saying the water is polluted with its spit. But the ability or his standability only takes effect when they're not looking at him. So if he's talking to them directly, it wouldn't. I don't think it's that it doesn't work when they're looking at him. It's that he has the best chance of attacking directly. Because when they look away, that's when he opens his mouth to do like a direct attack. But at any time, the spit can still get them, right? Because if if that were the if that were the case, then all they'd have to do is look at him, 
and not have holes. But even when Anasui starts to get filled with holes towards the end of the episode, I think he's looking at the stand. I think it's just he has the most direct opportunity to attack them um, while being obvious when they're looking away. Otherwise, he's very discreet in his attacks. Yeah, I suppose. It kind of reminds me of um, boos from Mario. Like when you look at them, they stop moving and they cover their eyes. And when you turn around, they come at you. That's (laughs) what it reminded me of. Anasui ultimately does end up not defeating Yoyoma, but incapacitating the stand by using Diver Down to connect a frog's brain to the stand's brain in what's basically like in an instant. Like he punches him and Diver Down does its thing. And then suddenly he's got a frog brain. And I stopped and thought about this for a second. I'm like, how fucking OP is Diver Down? If he can defeat or at least incapacitate a stand by just rearranging its brain like this with a frog in a matter of like moments or a sheer instant you also think about how quickly he was able to save jolene when he sunk diver down into her during the kenzo fight or how he's able to rearrange kenzo's entire bone structure structure so incredibly fast just by hitting him once with diver down on a stand is fucking overpowered if he uses it right, which he is a very competent individual, and so it's not like the hand with Okoyasu, right? Like, clearly that's wasted potential. Here, Anasui has tons of potential with his stand. His stand is really fucking overpowered, if you stop and think about it. Well, like I said earlier, and it's stand stats, his destructive power is A. Um, so it, it it is it does make sense that it's capable of all of these things, but, you know, I think... The previous episode we saw that it was it could rearrange physical uh physical body parts but now it's moving on to the nervous the nervous system which is i think that's going to be a, a game changer if if we see honestly we continue to utilize uh diver down to its fullest potential like you could just literally walk up to an enemy and just touch it and just sink diver down right into it and then just in a snap, just rearrange whatever the fuck he wants and then be done with it. Like, you just sever the brainstem. Like, that's all he needs to do, right? <laughs> just mm-hmm. go into with Diver Down. Because Diver Down, on top of the fact that it, it can do these things so quickly, it's incredibly discreet. Most of the time when Diver Down does these things, the stand user or the, the person, even Jolene, doesn't even realize it until Anasui makes it obvious. Every single time, it's been incredibly discreet. So, again... Anasui has so much fucking potential and we'll see how things pan out in the third core now that he's like become more of a a part of the Joe bros and as things heat up a little bit. And then we have the final part of this episode, which is directly tied to the title Foo Fighters, The Witness, and that is Foo Fighters trying to go go for DNG and Poochie ruining that plan. So Poochie makes his presence, uh, well, doesn't make his presence known, but he is present when they're taking DNG out on the stretcher, and that's when Anasui sees him. Anasui, Anasui sorry. Yeah. Foo Fighters sees him and thinks, why is he there? But figures he's just a Snoopy priest and dismisses it pretty quickly. 
And Poochie has like this whole fucking monologue that he does. I do want to note that in his counting of prime numbers, he has reached the 400s. And it just reminds me of like Mob Psycho 100, like the percent until Mob's explosion. Like at what number does Poochie like just finally let loose? Is it when he hits the 500s? Is it when he hits the thousands? Like what what are we counting down toward here? Obviously that changes when he gets the, um, the green child. But if it didn't change, like what prime number would really set him off probably just go until infinity i mean <laughs> like, it is his, it's technically his calming mechanism so yeah mm-hmm. i think the but like at some point does he have a breaking point right <laughs> so in the midst of poochie's monologue and him like wondering what this green child is doing what dio's bone is doing um figuring out that jolene is probably still alive he takes out a disc and actually uses a person in a disc to play music and I'm like, what the fuck? That is so clever. I mean, how practical of a use for your standability. But I also wonder, how does no one else hear fucking Alleluia playing? It's Handel's Messiah, oh. by the way. <laughs> it's not. I mean, that's the, the the actual song that's played. But yeah, the, most of the verses are Hallelujah. Okay, well, most people know it as the Alleluia song, which yeah. is what I know it as. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know, Jojo logic that... No one else is hearing this and, and causing or it being a cause of concern. But it's it's a weird moment because you wouldn't like I thought stand discs, even though they're discs, they don't operate like like a piece of music CD would. Unless you're Poochie, maybe he can make CDs. He can he can illegally burn CDs um, and just get music for free. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but I love this whole thing because every time we see Poochie, um, as he's hiding pretty much up until this point, he is just descending into madness. He is getting more and more panicky. He's definitely losing his confidence. Um, every attempt that he has at getting rid of Jolene continues to fail. And here we see him, like, again, he's reaching the 400s in his prime number count. He um, is, like, panicking and, like, super excited on one end about the potential of Dio's bone, but really, really nervous on the other end of that with the fact that Jolene is still alive. And he's like, I got to get to, to D&G. I got to, you know, interrogate him and find out what happened. And I'm thinking to myself, couldn't you just take his memory disc and read that? But then on top of that, he, again, plays the Alleluia song, whatever it's called, out of that one stand user, Guccio. And it is just a psychotic moment. It looks really cool. And it's like a very inspiring moment for him. But as a viewer and knowing the full context of this character you just see him going fucking crazy every time he appears on screen and this entire thing just shows that he is really reaching his end wait you said if he would take whose memory disc so he says i have to get to dng and ask Mm -hmm. him what happened before it's too late i need to know like what did he witness at ultra security house unit or whatever what did he see the the bone do but in my head, I'm like, you don't have to ask him anything. You just take the disc out of his head and read it. But DNG's not within distance to grab his memory disc. Uh, I feel like taking... he is. Because in the next episode, doesn't like White Snake reach where where Foo Fighters is? I could be wrong. Mm. I could be wrong. Because he did, he did send Guccio out to stop him. He didn't send White Snake out. So I, I might be incorrect on that. You might be uh, right. But either way, um, I mean... He, he's got an, an all-access pass to the prison. Couldn't he just make his way past the bars and go over to Dolce & Gabbana or DNG? 
True. Plus, he was able to put a disc into that one guard's head to uh, attack Foo Fighters. It was so. Gucho. Who? Oh, Gucho was the guard? Gucho was the prison guard? No. When Foo Fighters is in the ambulance with D&G, she's about to shoot him, and then someone grabs her arm. It's Gucho that grabs her arm, because she's like, oh, shit, you got a disc in your head. No, it's it's a guard. What? No, I thought it was... Wait, okay, let me look. Let me look. Hang on. Now, now I need to know. I have it here in the synopsis for episode 20. Uh, the guard has been ba- brainwashed and controlled via a disc created by White Snake. Okay, wait. Okay, you're probably right, but now I just need I need to see it with my own eyes. No, because I remember watching it, and it was a person in the prison guard uniform. It wasn't Gucho. Like, I would have noticed Gucho because of his ugly-ass face and his stupid survivor clothing. Okay, you're right. Damn it, I was wrong. <laughs> I thought it was Gucho. How did he reach that guard then? He put the disc in ahead of time? I guess so. Which, yeah, like he could have easily gotten to DNG if he can put the disc in the guard. Yeah, can he just whip a... Well, he'd have to retrieve the memory disc. So say he whipped a disc at DNG. Like, he'd need to retrieve it still. That's, mm. the, that's the tough part. Okay, I was incorrect. I admit it. I apologize. You were right. <laughs> yeah, I knew it. Uh, yeah, the one thing I noticed is uh, Pucci saying he's been waiting 22 years for this moment. And if my math is correct, Stone Ocean takes place in 2011. So this does line up with uh, Dio's demise in 1989, I believe was when Stardust Crusaders had concluded. Good. At least Rocky's good about that part because sometimes he does change the dates on us. And the episode ends with Foo Fighters realizing that White Snake stand user is none other than Poochie the priest himself. And then we'll see what happens in the next episode. But for some reason, this moment made me think, what happens if Poochie dies? Like, what happens to all of the stand and memory discs? Do they, like, go back to their original owners? Or do the discs still exist and you have to, like, grab your disc and put it back into your head? Because when a stand user dies and their stand disappears, I feel like everything gets undone that the stand mm. did. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a physical thing containing like like a stand ability or, or memory. So you can't erase those. But they only those those discs only exist because, because of, of the stand. Because mm-hmm. they don't operate like normal discs. You don't throw a normal disc into your skull and then expect yeah. it to, you know, give you or remove your memories. Um, so my my thought is if someone just kills Poochie, then all of the discs disappear and therefore those memories and stands would transfer back to their original owners, undoing everything that he did. Or they just get deleted. That I hope not. Actually, that, that could be a thing, but hopefully not. I mean, yeah, they're, they're out in the open. They're not with their their proper stand users. Yeah, because then you think about Anasui. Like, say Anasui fucks up your bone structure, right? And then he, say he theoretically dies, your bone structure wouldn't go back to normal. Like, the stand impacted you, and your your bone structure now has gotten fucked up. And mm-hmm. it is permanent. My guess is it would be permanently that way. So you, you could be right. If Pucci dies, the discs disappear, but maybe the memories disappear with them or whatever's on the disc disappears with them. So it's, whenever they're attacking Poochie, 
maybe it's dangerous to actually be attacking him in the first place because if he dies then you could be fucking yourself over but i feel like there have been cases in previous parts where like you were affected by a, a, an enemy's stand once they were incapacitated you'd revert to normal i'm thinking of like a Polnareff when he was turned into a baby and then when that stand user I forget who it was like when they were taken care of he reverted back oh that is true yeah and there have been other stand users in part six alone where they have like a like the there's something physical done to the Joe bros and then the stand is defeated and that all kind of just gets undone Hmm. So then all Kenzo needs to do is kill Anasui, and then he can get his his normal bone structure back. <laughs> Kenzo's already dead. So, <laughs> right? He just died in that little bucket. I don't know if he died. I think it just said he was taken out or he was incapacitated. Yeah. I just assume. I imagine, though, he dead. probably would die. I don't think your body can handle being in that <laughs> yeah, shape. <laughs> yeah. And that brings us to our final thoughts for part six, episode 20, Foo Fighters, The Witness. So, did this episode have you singing Hallelujah, which you already did earlier? <laughs> I didn't sing it. I, I said it. <laughs> um, I I really liked this episode. I thought it was good. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was high intensity, um, both with what was going on with Anasui and Jolene, and then what happened with Foo Fighters at the end, and what a wild cliffhanger. Can you imagine if this aired weekly? The cliffhanger mm-hmm. of Foo Fighters realizing that Poochie is white snake stand owner or stand user and not only that but really poochie almost making himself known again he is at his breaking point he doesn't give a fuck anymore he's like you know what foo fighters i'm just gonna let you know that i am the enemy that you've been hunting down so i i think this would have been so cool to watch as a jojo community i'm not gonna get down that rabbit hole but either way it lends to itself being a really fun episode that um that is just overall a really wild ride it is at this point in the second core that I start to miss Hermes and Weather Report. But, you know, they're down for the count temporarily so that other characters can shine because honestly, he's being introduced late into the game and he needs some moments for us to get to know him a little bit better. Otherwise, I feel like he may be drowned out by the Joe Bros we already know. But what about you? Yeah, I feel like Anasui was singing Hallelujah for just having his own episode with Jolene all to himself. And it is a Hell very, yeah. <laughs> very interesting episode. Uh, but I think major takeaway from the fight with Yo-Yo Ma, as we discussed earlier, it showed how interesting his diver downstand abilities are in like fucking up anatomy. We saw that previously with Kenzo and his legs. And here we see it just give Yo-Yo Ma a, a frog brain and, pretty much uh, re recalibrating his nervous system. And I feel like you hinted at this earlier, but it makes me curious to see if we'll have more interesting uses out of Diver Down in the future. Okay, wait, let me clarify that. Because, yeah, I did, like, talk about what happens in the next core. I don't remember. I don't remember anything about Anasui's stand power. I just remember sure. Ana- No, I'm serious. I, in general, don't remember a lot about the manga because um, I blew through it so fast. But I, the only things I really remember about Anasui are the funny moments between him and Jolene or just, like, any comedic moment that Anasui has. So 
I mean, I didn't even realize Diver Down looked like a diver. That's how little I paid attention to his stand. That's mm-hmm. why it's only now that I'm realizing how fucking OP Anasui's stand could be. I know we've gotten that question before from some of our listeners, like, who do you think is the strongest stand or who do you think has the most potential? We talked about the hand without Okuyasu, but I honestly think Diver Down is up there with the hand. But anyway, long story short, I swear I was not trying to hint at anything. I genuinely don't remember. So I'm curious to see how else Anasui uses his stand in the third core or what limitations he has. And then you'll turn into like a sleeper agent where Anasui does something in the third quarter and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that. It'll jive my memory. (laughs) Um, But other than that, like as I said in the beginning with the later half of this episode, I think Poochie's entrance into this second act of Stone Ocean Part 2, it signaled a turning point for the story where you know shit is about to hit the fan because you have everything in play like Poochie, is trying to find out what's going on. You have the green baby, which is a ways away in the wetlands. But I think it's pretty clear that it's all going to come to a head very soon. And that very soon is in the next two episodes. Um, his entrance kind of overshadows how much Anasui and Jolene work together, in my opinion, to take down Yo-Yo Ma only earlier in this episode. But I think what you can take away from that is their partnership will still prove to be a key factor and what I'm calling the awakening arc of the next few episodes. And this is an aside, but I kind of like how they have a callback to to things awakening in part six, especially with the next episode. So to take a line from The Devil Wears Prada, gird your loins. Oh my God. I was not expecting a Devil Wears Prada mention in this episode. Well, the devil's about to be reborn. So. <laughs> well, that concludes yet another really good episode of part six, the second core, and concludes the fucking annoying Yo-Yo Ma stand, a.k.a. Shigechi. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Tune in next week for uh, probably more confusion, honestly, with The Green Child. I think the next episode is The Green Child, right? Yes, or it's called Awaken. (laughs) There's also a ton of Poochie and Foo Fighters shit because this is like the... The last moments for Foo Fighters, as we all know. I, oh. That's going to be really hard. That's going to be really tough when we get to that episode. But either way, um, it, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. So tune in as always. Subscribe to Strictly JoJo on your favorite podcast service. Join our Discord to chat with us. Follow us on Instagram at The Strictly Series, on Twitter at Strictly Series, and check out our website, thestrictlyseries.com. If you'd like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly Series and tune into Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. All links are in the description. Thank you so much for listening. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy, stay weeb. To be continued. And the localized title for this episode is FF, The Witness. You know, I always got to gotta mention the localized title. Um, but a few... <laughs> but a few... <laughs>